This afternoon I preach to you the Word of God as it is summarized, confessed by the church in the Heidelberg Catechism, Lord's Day 45, which is on page 559 in the Book of Praise, if you'd like to read along. Here the church confesses, why is prayer necessary for Christians? Because prayer is the most important part of the thankfulness which God requires of us. Moreover, God will give his grace and the Holy Spirit only to those who constantly and with heartfelt longing ask him for these gifts and thank him for them. What belongs to a prayer which pleases God and is heard by him? First, we must, from the heart, call upon the one true God only, who has revealed himself in his word for all that he has commanded us to pray. Second, we must thoroughly know our need and misery, so that we may humble ourselves before God. Third, we must rest on this firm foundation that although we do not deserve it, God will certainly hear our prayer for the sake of Christ our Lord, as he has promised us in his word. What has God commanded us to ask of him? All the things we need for body and soul, as included in the prayer which Christ our Lord himself taught us. What is the Lord's prayer? That's the prayer we read together in the reading in Matthew 6, verses 9 to 13. Beloved Church of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, last few weeks we've been thinking about how to approach God, what is the way to approach Him, as that also came clear when we looked at several passages, sermons in 1 Samuel. In 1 Samuel, the Lord made it very clear that He's not to be controlled or manipulated by people. And if you look at Matthew 6 verse 7, our Lord Jesus taught the same thing when he told us not to pray as the pagans or the Gentiles do, hoping to get God to hear us by a number, by increasing the number of empty phrases, heaping up empty phrases. And we know when we pray we're not trying to, to control a force that is out there, but we're speaking to the living creator of heaven and earth who made us in the universe so that we might live with him as his children forever. As we confess in Lord's Day 44, the the Lord's Day before that we looked at last week, we could see that God created each one of us with desires, a desire to walk with him in accordance with the Ten Commandments. And then even after the fall into sin, God made us a new creation through His Son so that we can once again desire to humble ourselves and worship before our gracious Father. It's this God-word focus that, that flows out from our faith that God created the world, that He exists, that He loves us as His children, That also leads us to want to respond to God who first spoke to us. In order that we might receive everything that he has obtained for us and assigned to us. 
That spoken part of our response is called prayer or praying. And the good news I proclaim to you today is that when, I, when our prayers give voice to what lives in the core of our being, those convictions that we have about our holy God, the sorrow we feel over our sins, our thankfulness for Christ's saving work, and those desires of our transformed hearts, this has a major upbuilding, eye-opening, and, and comforting impact on our own lives. Even as we're praying, we are being edified by those prayers. When the Lord commanded us to pray, He was coming down to us. He was making Himself available, giving us access to His throne so that we might grow in our union with Him. And I preach this gospel under the theme, the Lord changes our hearts through prayer. As we experience the Lord is unchanging in His sovereign plan, faithful to His saving promises, and attentive to His Son's petitions. As we read, and especially if you look at the verse 8 in Matthew 6, and we read, your Father knows what you need before you ask Him, it makes it clear that prayer is not necessary for God. As we confess, it's important for Christians to call upon the God who has revealed Himself in His Word. And the Bible is clear that God doesn't need to hear our prayers to know what's happening in the world or, or in our own lives. He didn't command us to pray because he, he needs our advice on the best way forward or how He should do things. And if you open your Bibles, and we're going to sing this psalm later, but Psalm 139, the first four verses are, are crucial in our understanding, shaping our attitude when we pray. It talks about how the Lord has searched us and He knows us. He knows when we sit, when we rise. He discerns our thoughts. He searches out our path. He's acquainted with all our ways. And then in verse 4, even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. Isaiah 46 verse 10, it tells us the Lord knows the end from the beginning. He's, he has the big picture. Habakkuk 2 verse 3 talks about the Lord's plan that's awaiting its appointed time. And if you'd also flip to Romans chapter 11, the last verses of Romans chapter 11, again we're reminded, verse 33, Romans 11, 33, page 947, Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are His judgments and how inscrutable His ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been His counselor? Or who has given a gift to Him that He might be repaid? For from Him and through Him and to Him are all things to Him. Be glory forever. That's the context in which we're praying. Praying to a God who says, well, who's my counselor? Who could counsel me in anything? And that leads us then to that first question in Lord's Day 45, not, not why is prayer necessary for the all-knowing, eternal, almighty, and sovereign God, but why is prayer necessary for Christians? And some believe that Christians need prayer as a tool to change God's mind about something. Many people pray because they want to, God to do something different in the world than he is doing at the moment, and they, they want God to change, and, and they think that, that they can just use their prayer as a tool. 
to get God to do something different. We are to call upon the Lord who has revealed himself in his word, and, and we see in Scripture that no human being can ever change God's sovereign plan for the universe in general or even for our own lives in particular. The Bible teaches us that God himself is immutable. If you look at Numbers 23, verse 19, God is not a man that he should lie or a son of man that he should change his mind. He has said, and will he not do it? Or has he spoken, and will he not fulfill it? Psalm 33, verse 11, we're not singing it today. It says, the counsel of the Lord stands forever, the plans of his heart to all generations. Malachi 3, verse 16, for I, the Lord, do not change. Hebrews 13, we saw that this morning. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. And James 1, verse 17, for every good gift and every perfect gift is from above coming down from the father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change so when the bible talks about god relenting or god repenting or changing what he did changing of one way of dealing with a person to another way of dealing with a person in response to, to the prayers of his people. The Bible's not talking about a change in, in God's plan. It's not, changing, not talking about a change in God's mind. But it's revealing what happens when people change their attitudes. Repenting from our sins and humbling ourselves before him in worship will lead us into a different experience in our relationship to the unchanging God than is experienced by those who are continue shaking their fists at the Lord. All this is according to God's unchanging promise, the promise he made. If you repent and believe, he is with you, you could trust in him, but he also will leave the rest in their punishment. So the eternal purpose, plan, and promises of God are not changed by the prayers of a repentant sinner. Although our prayers are simultaneous to a change in God's response to us, they are not the cause of a, of a change in God, but they are evidence of a change in our hearts, which in turn allows us to enjoy the favor of God and instead of the ongoing weight of his discipline or punishment. And we see that our, chair, our prayers can change a lot of things. We certainly believe that, that prayer of a godly man is effective. But it's not God that they change, but our own hearts. And the experience we have with God as a result of that change in our hearts. So God doesn't need our prayers to find out what's happening in your lives or in the world. Our prayers cannot change God's sovereign plan. So why is prayer necessary for Christians? So why should we bother to pray? In a way, such a question is asking, if we can't change God's mind about something, and prayer cannot help us get the things that we want, what's the point of trying to use prayer to fulfill our selfish desires? We're asking, does prayer serve any other purpose in our lives 
than helping us to get what we want. It's like asking if a person isn't able to give me something that I need, what's the point of talking to them? If my parents won't pay for the car that I want, is there any sense in talking to them at all? I'm sure that you can see the absurdity of the question and the the obvious answer that it deserves. For if we are just praying to, to get stuff for ourselves, then we do not know the Lord. Because whoever knows the Lord and whoever knows all that he has done will realize what an immense privilege it is that we may talk to him at all and and praise him and, and take hold of all that he has obtained for us in his grace. Those unsearchable riches of Christ that Paul, uh, Paul mentioned in Ephesians 3, verse 8. They're not just referring to, to things. The unsearchable riches of Christ that we have aren't just things that we hold in our hands. But he's referring to our relationship with God that Christ's work brings us into. Prayer is receiving the gift of a relationship with the Lord God Almighty and enjoying it in our conversation with Him. Let me see it. Even if God had not commanded us to respond to His grace with thankfulness, our love for Him always compels us to honor Him with our words, with our humility. And Paul so clearly shows or as Paul so clearly shows in Ephesians chapter 3, a believer's prayer flows from our faith and our desire to receive him as our Father through Jesus Christ and so express our sincere gratitude for for the forgiveness of sins that we have in Jesus Christ, for, for the relationship we may have with the Creator of heaven and earth. We call upon the Lord because he has made that possible for us after he brought us out of darkness and into himself or to himself through Jesus Christ. We pray because the Holy Spirit has opened our eyes to see that we live every moment of our lives in the presence of a sovereign, eternal, incomprehensible, all-knowing, all-powerful, unchanging creator of the universe who has taken us in his hand and has taken us by our hand so that we may always experience his nearness and love. And as we speak to this Lord, we experience how small we are, how great he is, and his perfect plan for all things. We throw ourselves into his arms with joy as we trust in him. Although we may be suffering in some way, Our prayers, says Paul in Philippians 4, verse 4, they're they're a rejoicing in the Lord. Our prayer is a rejoicing in the Lord, accepting all that Christ has obtained for us. We may have love and joy and peace and hope because God promised us these things in Christ. We see that, the second point, that he is faithful. As we pray, we see that he is faithful to his saving promises. Our understanding of the sovereign holiness of our eternal God who has chosen his church before the foundation of the world that influences how we pray to the Lord. What we're even doing 
as we, we pray. Before the creator of the universe, we can see it. We're, we're nothing but, but specks on, on, a, on a globe in a huge universe. Here one day and, and God in the next. And when we add in the knowledge of our own need and our, and our misery, this poor in spirit attitude is even greater. Citizens of the kingdom of God are poor in spirit and meek, mourning over their sins, and drawing near to, to the Lord who has revealed himself in, in the scripture with a sincere heart. We see that doesn't make us more bold and demanding, but knowing who the Lord is, it makes us less bold and demanding. Until, until we remember the gospel of God's love, which he has shown to us in his son, Jesus Christ. Till we remember the promise that our Lord Jesus, who has ascended into heaven, stands before the throne of God, and he is continually interceding for us, that whatever we ask for in his name will be given to us. The promise of the gospel is that Jesus Christ has given his church access to the divine majesty of God the Father to everyone who believes in him. We, we confess that very clearly in Lord's Day 26. 1 Timothy 2 verse 5, John, 1 John 2 verse 1, they declare that Jesus Christ, the righteous one, is our mediator and advocate. John 14 verse 6 reminds us he is the way in which we can have access to God. And so Paul says in Ephesians 3 verse 12, he says, speaking of Christ, in him in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. And that's what we confess also in, in the Lord's, uh, Lord's Day 45. We rest on this firm foundation that although we do not deserve it, God will certainly hear our prayer for the sake of Christ our Lord as he has promised us in his word. The, the believer clings to the promise of God, praying in the name of Jesus Christ. It's important to notice the qualification. When our Lord Jesus promised that God will give us what we ask, he, he qualified this with the statement, if you ask for anything, in my name. In 1 John 3, verse 22, the Spirit explains that we receive from God what we ask of him when we are keeping his commandments and doing what pleases him. And then 1 John 5 verse 14 says that we may be confident that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. You see how the, the Lord is directing all our, our hearts and minds to Jesus Christ so that we might approach the throne of God with the words of his Son. We see then that prayer is the act of receiving into our lives what God has promised. And these promises come to us in, in the Bible, in, in the Word of God. That means you can go to the Bible, to the Word of God, to see what you can expect from God when you pray. That's very important when you go to the Word of God to, to be careful in your biblical interpretation, how you, you, you read the Bible so that you don't fall into a, a health and wealth message that's so common today. 
We learn as we go to God's Word to see what He promised, that descriptions of what God has done for, for others shows what God is able to do and may choose to do in some circumstances, but those descriptions aren't necessarily promises for you. Or the Old Testament prophecies spoken to the people in that day are, are descriptions or may not be true for you, but the promises that the Lord gives. Again, reading them in their context, they make it clear that everyone who has been united to Christ through faith in an everlasting relationship may, may enjoy what God promises. We read them in their context. You can think of how the devil was trying to tempt Jesus to, to jump. He was quoting Scripture and and he was quoting promises of Scripture, and the Lord Jesus responded to put those promises in the context, not to twist God's words. And so as God's church, we, we go to the Bible, and we study, what did God promise for me? And you can do that. You can go through your prayers. You can ask that. Has God promised me what I'm asking? Has he promised maybe a, a more comfortable life? A life without sorrows, a life without suffering, a life without death. As you look to the Scriptures, you see that he doesn't promise all these things to us in Scripture. What do we find? What kind of promises do we find? Again, Ephesians 3 gives that list of all the wonderful things we have in the Lord, those are the, the promises that we find. God has mercy on those who confess their sins and repent. We read that God is, is gracious to us. That God sent His Son to bear the burden of His wrath against your sins so that whoever believes in Him will not perish. You hear the promise that nothing, not nothing will happen to you, but nothing will separate you from those, uh, from the love of God in Christ Jesus. See that the Lord promises to give you His Spirit. We read about that in Ephesians 3, that, that power within you so that you can also face all that you're called to in this life. God promises that, surpass, that peace that surpasses understanding, grounding in love, allowing us to know the love of God that surpasses knowledge. Ephesians 3, verses 17 to 19. God has promised us many things, and in, in prayer, we see that he is faithful to these promises. He's attentive to the advocate, to the mediator, to Jesus Christ before his throne. And when our Lord Jesus came to the earth, he obtained what God had promised. He was the Son of God who took on a true and righteous human nature, while at the same time true God, so that he could fulfill the law for us. This, this, the, this obedience of the law was, was not only that obedience in action, but also in Jesus' desires. Jesus desired things perfectly for us and in our place as part of his righteousness. And then he revealed these righteous desires to us when he gave us the Lord's Prayer. So now that when we want to, when we want to approach the, the throne of our Father in Christ's name, we actually can do that in the language of His Son. 
We can align our prayers with the prayers of our, our Savior and our Mediator who is continually interceding before God's throne. And The good news is that the Father will not deny the requests of His Son. He is attentive to His Son's petitions that are offered up for us by the Lamb who, who paid for our sins. So as we take some time in the coming weeks to study the Lord's Prayer, we're learning how to make the Lord Jesus' desires our desires. What those desires of the righteous one look like. And so God leads us into these prayers that are heard by God and are pleasing to Him. You can see why the disciples, they asked Jesus to teach them how to pray. They were asking Jesus, teach us to desire the right things in the right way. And then when the Lord Jesus taught the Lord's Prayer, it served as an invitation for all believers. It was the instruction manual on how to receive all that Christ has obtained for us, how to live in that relationship with our Father in heaven. And that reminds us of Revelation 22, verse 17. There was the display text today as you were walking in. You, you had it there. You read it. And let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who desires take the water without price. That's the Lord. The Lord gave us the Lord's Prayer. He is saying, come and receive and take what I have obtained for you. If you desire what, what Christ has obtained, then come and, and take it. And here are the words to use as you receive what I've obtained for you. You look at Luke chapter 11. It's another place where the Lord Jesus taught the Lord's Prayer. There, the context, the Lord makes it very clear that there's no question about the existence or the readiness of the gift or the blessing. It's always available. But he urges us to, to take it, to, to pray, to receive what Christ has obtained. That's the passage in which he has that parable about the man who had a visitor late at night and banged on his neighbor's door to ask for bread. If he hadn't knocked, he wouldn't have received the bread. He knew it was there. And then Jesus says to us as well that we need to, to ask and seek and knock. The Lord's Prayer teaches us how to do that. And we long as Christians, we long to, to speak like our Lord to our Father in heaven. We, we long to obey this calling voice. He says, come and take what is yours in my name. That's why our good shepherd gave us the Lord's Prayer. In Luke 11, verse 2, the Lord Jesus said that we can actually take the exact words of the Lord's Prayer upon our own lips as, as a complete prayer. He says, when you pray, say, and then comes the, the Lord's Prayer. We can use that as our words, as our prayer. In Matthew 6, the Lord Jesus also made it clear that the Lord's Prayer can serve as a pattern for our prayers. For he says, pray then like this. And in the coming weeks, we will seek to ensure that our desires and our prayers are in alignment with, with Christ's desires so that we might pray as, as Jesus is praying for us. This prayer is worked in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. It's an expression of our faith 
that shows us that we are thankful for all that God has done for us. And by our prayers, by our humility, by our love, by our joy in speaking to our Creator, we honor our sovereign, eternal, immutable, that means unchanging, holy, all-knowing, and almighty God with our praise, with our confessions, with our petitions. And we point to all God's promises as, as the source of our, our hope. We shape our words around those promises. And as we do that, we really see who the Lord our God is. What it means to be children of the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so the Lord changes our hearts as we draw near to Him. And may the Lord help us understanding in this understanding as we, we call upon the name of the Lord for everything we need for body and for soul. Amen.